Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is the Open City Podcast, a show about the past, present and future of London. It features new stories about the city and fresh perspectives on the challenges and opportunities we face together. Livesey actually falls within one of the most deprived wards in London. And I think for me, it was about how do we offer opportunities to people to upskill. I think it was almost as if anybody that wrote about Peckham always saw the new shiny things. And we wanted to show the things that the reporters wouldn't always see. You know, we've used it as a place for people to kind of see what's really going on. You know, uh, we've got lots of young people who come in and shoot their videos in there. Um, we, we used to have a leather maker in there. They've now moved out. We're just about planning to have like a resident artist of the month. Hello, and welcome back to the Open City Podcast. My name is Celestie Setifer. Today, my co-host Arman Nuri and I continue our conversation with Nicholas Okulu of Pempeople in part two of the Livesey Exchange episode. Join us as we discuss the Old Kent Road gravy train, as well as lessons on what not to do from places like Old Street and Brixton. What What are your thoughts around ensuring that when the capital does come in, when the gravy train does come in, that it doesn't exploit Libsy Number Two? It doesn't exploit the work that you've put in already, and and it and the space remains valuable to the people Authentic. that need it most. Authentic, yeah. exactly. What What are your yeah. current What's your current thinking about that? The biggest problem that we've got is, you know, the whole sustainability of the project. But when I say the biggest problem, it's not that it's a problem, you know, it's about how you have that balance. And I think one of the things that I'm doing now is kind of getting people to start building capacity so that they can deliver projects. They can compete with everybody else that's coming in, you know, because obviously they will be given preference, you know. What I'm not going to do is turn around and say to somebody, oh, guess what? We can't give you the space because someone in the community wants to use it. I think what we're trying to do is get everybody to have their own leverage. It doesn't matter how small it is. So, you know, if you want to work, run classes, we're still going to sit and say to you, how are you making it sustainable? Where are you getting your money from? And I think in a way, it's also about how do you utilise the competition that's coming into the area to get local people to understand they have to compete with everybody else. And I think if we don't do that, what would end up happening is, you know, it will then become exploited because the community can't afford to pay for the space. They can't maintain it. 
you know, and what I want is I want I want community groups to, you know, to whether whether they register as charities, uh companies limited by guarantee, private companies, but for them to be able to either draw down funds, generate funds to run those projects. What I find so refreshing about all you've just said is that you're not here resisting yeah. what's coming, right? You're not here opposing what's coming. You're Listen, have you seen the developers we got on Old Kent Road? Do you think I'll win? No, no, but... But, 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 but look, you, look that, that, but don't, like, take credit for the, the, no, the know, bravery. Know, like, take credit for the bravery and the maturity to come to that sort of thinking because, like, yeah. there are plenty of other people in London who are, are don't have that in their locker, don't have that in their locker. What, and you, what you're saying yeah. is they're, like... You're, you're aware that this is coming, right? You know this is coming. Let's do something with it. Let's do something with it that benefits the people who need it. And I just find, yeah. I find that so refreshing to hear. Yeah. I, I think a key thing I've heard somebody say re- recently, and it makes so much sense, is that you need to be able to understand the rules, um, not yeah. necessarily to conform to them, but to be able to break them. I'm quoting Remy CT there. Uh, um, and I think this applies to this. Like, by you understanding the world of local authorities, the need for developers, as much as most of us dislike how developers developers Mm. approach things, but understanding the whole ecosystem and then understanding ways in which you can fit yourself in by understanding this thing of sustainability all boils down, unfortunately, to the money. And if you can make it work and if you can get the people who are involved in the project to understand and hopefully also provide um the opportunity to upskill them in a way where they understand all of these different systems in order to be able to properly navigate them i think there's different things for different sides so you know when i'm talking to the council i'm talking about people's affordability to live on old kent roads Mm -hmm. and if you're not providing uh, and i'm not saying we want the council to provide all the opportunities but you know if you give us a grant or you give us some money to do things that could be like seed funding but also from a community perspective, it's a different language. So sometimes I'm also saying to people, guess what? If we fast forward 200 years from now and Old Kent Road has changed and some, you know, um, an archivist sits and looks at Old Kent Road and says, okay, I wonder what happened in, in, in 2020, you know, what's it going to, what, what, what is that archivist going to report back? Are they going to turn around and say the community just laid back and just said, oh, you know what? you know, let the bulldozers just roll over the buildings. Well, they're going to say, guess what? We actually tried to do stuff and tried to make it, you know, really, really good, you know, for everybody to kind of, to live in that area. When I look at Brixton and as we mentioned earlier, I look at Dalston, I look at Peckham, you know, you know, people have made comments. It It's, it's white at night and it's black during the day. And I think for me, what I want is, Sorry. <laughs> Wait, don't, don't apologize. You, you literally took my breath away with laughter. No, but, but the thing is, that if is you ask people, they will say to you, it's white at night and black during the day. And the question is, what I want is, I want it to be a mix on Old Kent Road. And the question is, if we've seen this happen in places like Brixton, Hackney, Dalston... Why do we have to have that on Old Kent Road? Mm, you, you, should know, learn, you should learn from keep... other experiences, right? Yeah. And for me, I'm not saying, you know, it might end up being the same, but at least let us try mm-hmm. and make it as diverse, make it exciting, 
you know, you know, and if it isn't, I've got my bike in my garages with my big stereo sound on it, you know, which I call the anti-gentrifying. I like to take it round <laughs> Old Kent Road and Brixton, blasting it out. And if anybody says anything, I'm like, it's either noise or car pollution. Which choice do you uh, want? What's on the playlist? What's on the playlist? Oh, it depends. It depends on my moods. Sometimes it's General Levy. Uh, <laughs> or it might be some rare groove and some jazz. There's a lot of talk about um, walkable cities, the 15-minute city, all of this kind of stuff. And I'm just thinking about something that you said um, sort of earlier in the conversation where you were speaking about Old Kent Road having everything that you need. Your mm. well, had, had. Well, had. Had. <laughs> had, had everything that you need. <laughs> and you being quite in, quite in close proximity to so much other mm. stuff. I don't know whether you would describe Old Kent Road as somewhere where if you're from there, you don't necessarily need to venture too far out to get more or less everything that you need. And is that something that still exists or is that something that used to exist? Is that something that you feel like needs to exist? How does that play out in somewhere like Old Kent Road? I mean, <laughs> Old Kent Road is easily accessible. I mean, it's funny because now as I'm getting older, I tend to drive less now. But, you know, I think because everything's always been close, I've always cycled. So automatically my brain has... Old Kent Road has kind of triggered my brain to become, okay, if you're going on a short journey, just take your bike. And I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of set up a bike project because people are always doing short journeys. So the thing is, I find it funny because everybody's always talking about short journeys, short journeys. You know, people in deprived areas have always done short journeys. And then when you look at Old Kent Road, and I think the reason why I've said it's it's quite accessible, you know, you can jump on a 453, you know, go to Oxford Street, on a 21, go to Lewisham, you walk up the road, you know, it's a 10-minute it's walk up the road and you're in Peckham. It's like you jump on the train and you're in Dalston, you're in Dalston Junction in 10 minutes. Mm. And it's kind of got, it's it's nice because, you know, in the old days, I remember trying to get to East London, you had to go through Tower Bridge. Mm. And most, you know, sorry, sorry if I say this, but most black men will tell you going over Tower Bridge in a car was a nightmare because the police will always stop you. You know, so now it's easy. Just jump on the train, you just go. So I think it's really important that we have an opportunity, especially for people who live around Old Kent Road, you know, to to be able to afford to live in these places. Because, again, when you look at people that are moving into Old Kent Road, they're moving to Old Kent Road because it's easily accessible to go anywhere. And I think for me, that's, it's almost like, it's it's almost like that's the deal breakup. It's like people are waking up and realising, hold on a minute, if I'm in Old Kent Road, you know, it's quite easy for me to get anywhere. And those, you know, I didn't really appreciate until I left work, you know, how accessible it was. I used to go and work out in Kent and I never, t- I didn't take it for granted how difficult a lot of people found it just getting onto the A2. Whereas I just take one turn and I'm on the A2, and I'm off to Kent and I mean, you know, I could be in Canterbury within an hour, if that makes sense, you know, and I think everybody's finding that. And, I, you know, even when even when Old Kent Road became a new opportunity area and Peckham was already bustling, 
I, I was already envisioning people walking down Peckham Park Road from Peckham down to Old Kent Road and how easy it was. Walking from, you know, Queen's Road Station down Asylum Road, 10-minute walk, you're in Old Kent Road. And if you walk any further, you end up in South Bermondsey, then you end up at Canada Water. You know, if, you know, if they bring up all the all the old pubs back, you know, you can do your pub crawl if that kind of makes sense. And I think that's that's where it's kind of going, where literally you can literally walk around, you know, Burgess Park, Old Kent Road, Peckham, and it just becomes one big town. In terms of the gravy train, all that money, all that investment coming in, it's pretty, pretty remarkable when you look at some of the numbers attached to that. So we've got, this is straight for the Old Kent Road website, 20,000 new homes, 7,000 af- affordable homes, quote unquote, three new tube stations, 10,000 new jobs, a further education college, a health centre, a cultural attraction, a secondary school, new primary schools, nine primary school expansions. That's a lot of change. I have to take a breath after that. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming into the area. How does that make you feel, me just reeling off all those stats to you? Do you know, do you know what? I think... It depends on how you want to take it, really. It's, I think for me, you know, and as someone, if I wasn't doing, if I wasn't doing Lives the Exchange, I'll be honest, I would be pretty peed off. You know, because I know that all those people that are coming in, they're going to displace somebody. You know, and I think that's my issue. But I think, you know, with what we're doing with Lives the Exchange, it's almost how we're working with developers, how we're working with the council to create opportunities. So rather than people being displaced, they're actually competing, you know? And I think even when, you know, I've had quite a number of phone calls from like architects and stuff in terms of what's going on on Old Kent Road at the moment. And I think if somebody else is telling me, oh, they're getting all these phone calls, I'd be like, "What? what's the council up to? But, you know, it's funny because it's almost like a journey now. And I think even from the phone calls that I've just got today and some of the emails, I'm I'm kind of glad that Livesey's got a bit of a head start. You know, what that's allowing us to do is it's allowing us to kind of jump on the train and kind of sit down comfortably and kind of watch what everybody else is doing and kind of play, kind of, kind of play people rather than, uh, you know, rather than the local people being played. Do you think another Livesey exchange could start if someone just started doing it now? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would because I think now, you know, um, Old Kent Road, you know, as I said earlier, it's gone from being, it's it's going to go from being the least deprived to one of them. No, it's going from being one of the most deprived to being one of the least deprived. So if you put that in uh, Monopoly perspective, it's going to be, it's going to go from, the cheapest to the most expensive. I'm so glad you brought that up because you know what? Because I'll tell you what, yeah, I reckon most people listening to this podcast will know Old Kent Road. They'll know where yes. it is. They'll know all about it. But they would, they, but they probably would have forgotten the fact that how they first came to know about it is because of the game we just talked about, Monopoly. And it Monopoly. was, and you know what? I I always forget. I always forget. I used to play Monopoly so much when I was a kid, right, with my family. And I forgot that the first card, the first spot on that table was a dark brown colour and it had Old Kent Road written underneath it. And then where where was after that? Let's get our Monopoly trivia. Where was after Old Kent Ooh. Road? I can't remember. Old you know. Street. 
Oh, oh. And Old Street, I mean, look, when we're talking about gentrification, when we're talking about regeneration gone bad, in many respects, we're talking we're talking about Old Street as really being one of the first places that London as a as a city really messed up in its approach, okay. right? Because you know, you had an area which was very poor, yeah. derelict in a lot of it. And now it is this tech hub, it's this hub for innovation, for entrepreneurship, but not in a way that's necessarily benefiting the people who have been around there and live around there for years and years and years. So I find it in the con- in the context of the conversation we're having now, yeah. remarkable actually that those two sit alongside each other because, you know, we we want to get li- Old Kent Road to a place where it's not what Old Street became, right? Which we don't yes. want we don't want that to yeah. be the the reference point for this, right? For me, what's important is, you know, how do we have that diversity? You know, diversity in colour, diversity in people, diversity of, you know, different classes, you know, where they can all come together and enjoy, you know, what what the best of, you know, Old Kent Road has to offer. I want to make it a destination. I want to make Livesey Exchange a destination point. And I think one of my dreams, and, and I can kind of see it, so if anybody works for TFL, you know, I want to sign at Borough Market saying, if you jump on a bus 21, it will take you to Livesey Exchange. <laughs> because I think what it's taught me is, you know, until things get recognised by those mm. up above, it's just it's just like a, like a leaf swaying in the wind. So, you don't know where it's going to land, you know. And I think for me, you know, I want, you know, I want people to feel like, guess what? I knew this guy who had a dream. He set up a dream. And guess what? It's in the London plan. It's recognised because if he can do it, anybody else can do it as well. Because I think in 15 years' time, you know, this whole thing in terms of what we've created might change. And, you know, it will cater for a different audience around the Old Kent Road because we don't really know what what Old Kent Road is really going to look like in 10, 15 years' time. And I think... It's also funny because, you know, people say to me, well, why don't you ask the council to make it longer? Council's already got their plans, what they want to do with that with that land, you know. And I think if we can make this project work, then, you know, somebody else can carry the baton and go, OK, we need to put it here. It's worked and it's, it's a proven formula. What do you think? Can you give us some more insight into Livesey 2.0, so to speak? So I remember last year, someone said to me, oh, so what's going to go in there? I went, I don't know. Like, what do you mean you don't know? I said, it's not built yet. And if I allocate it to anybody now, there's no guarantee that they'll be in there, you know, next year. And I think what's been important is looking at projects that are sustainable, engaging, Flexible and also make a big difference in people's lives. I've, you know, we've done lots and lots of projects with lots of different people from, you know, from Tate Exchange. We're looking at how we bring the whole Tate experience out of Tate and bring it into, into Livesey. Um, I've also done stuff with, you know, for example, our, our local job centre. How do we help people in terms of getting better jobs, not just any jobs? We've got an event space in there. Um, you know, we're hoping to help people set up their own stage production. You know, I'm talking to a university lecturer because I think that we've got lots of people who like making music, making films, 
And I think it's about how do we teach people to use the right software, you know, have access to software that they wouldn't normally be, have access to. So, for example, if a job comes up, they can qualify to go for it rather than being taught from scratch. Um, I'm talking to a lady that organises veteran events, you know, so that we can show old films, get, you know, you know, a lot of the older generation together. But also I think, you know, in my time doing all the work that we've been doing, one of the things that I found was that everybody wants to do intergenerational activities, but people either work with one or the other and they don't tend to come together. And, and I think for me, you know, I think, you know, telling you the story about, you know, Ronald Reagan and, you know, uh, Rio Ferdinand coming from our estate, you know, we want to be able to, for people to kind of tell their stories of what Old Kent Road was like in the old days. You know, how they used to go down to Thomas a Beckett uh, Club, you know, to watch Henry Cooper, you know, boxing. You know, we want all these things. And I think we're kind of designing, you know, Livesy 2.0 to be a space, you know, for example, you know, Monday to Wednesday, it will be community time. And in that way, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's 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 kind of operated as a business so that it becomes sustainable. And I think that's been my number one worry. How do we make it sustainable so we can still have community events happening? But also I think what's also important about Livesey 2.0 is because I think from a community, we see it as a big space. When you really put, you know, the Livesey Exchange into context with the 40, 20 storey buildings, it's quite small. How do we get people to become more business minded so that if they want to run projects, they can run it in all these uh, properties, some that, that who some of them which are lying empty right now on Old Kent Road, you know, they can put a good argument to say, guess what? We've done this on Livesey. It's worked. We've got a crowd. We've got the footfall. We've got the eyeballs. It's generating an income and we can afford to pay for the next year. So longer term, have you had any thoughts to things like community land trusts or um, just generally that access to land in perpetuity as whether that's as community assets or whatever like halfway through this project I think I, I think my head got a little bit too big at one point and I think I did go into another borough to kind of go yeah we can do it yeah if I can take on you know if I can do it with Southern I can do it in any borough and then I kind of realised it was a lot of work. And also you've got different political motives that you're playing with, with different boroughs. We, well, what we've decided to kind of do now is let's just get one complete so that we can show that we've got a track record of actually doing something, actually starting something, finishing something and completing something. I'm a starter, I'm not a finisher. So I can start things, I can stoke the fire and, you know, annoy people to get things done, but then it's up to everybody else to kind of finish it all off. Nicholas, I think I read somewhere that you said that you were, um, you've been calling yourself a farmer, that you plant seeds. Yes. That that aligns perfectly I, with what you're I, saying there. I, yeah, I do plant seeds. So, you know, I think sometimes I upset people because I wouldn't say I upset people. I'm very forthright. I just say it as it is. You know, and I think for me, I think I've kind of identified what my strength is. You know, and I think the whole farmer thing was if they were to shut Livesey down, there'll be another Livesey or offshoot of Livesey kind of growing somewhere else. Also, I think, you know, in terms of people that I talk to in the community, I kind of give people, you know, directions in where to go, who to talk to, 
why they should talk to them and how they can talk to them to get their projects off the ground. So that's how I see myself as being a farmer. And like I said, I'm a starter, but I'm not a finisher. So, you know, I might be the farmer that goes around planting the seeds, but I'm definitely not going to be the labourer, you know, picking up, you know, the produce once it's, once it's matured. The things that we're talking about, they never do finish. Like they, they, they can't finish, right? These, the, we're talking about Libsy Exchange as a space which first and foremost is responding to needs on the ground, right? It's providing a space that people need and require in order to live comfortably in their areas and homes, right? That's a need that never is never going to go away. And so you've got to start that journey because you have to provide a space. You have to start and provide that space for it. But it never finishes. All these things that we're working towards and trying to build towards, we may not see them happen in our lifetime. But if we can leave this life and see that hope and that optimism and, and, and progress that we've left behind and see that seed has been planted, just to go back to the farm analogy, but that seed has been planted for the younger generation that's the most important thing mm. only problem with that i think i 100 percent support that only problem is that is that we're in a generation that seeks instant gratification but i feel like we need to start schooling people and teaching people on this thing of of building a legacy that is far supersedes you as an individual and extends towards others and next generations Thanks so much, um, Nicholas. Um, to oh. round off, um, we would like to ask, what are you hopeful for? What am I hopeful for? I think there's, I think there's only one thing that I'm really hopeful for, and I think, you know, for a lot of the young people who I've run projects with, I just want to see their name on a mortgage agreement in Peckham, Old Kent Road, and I want them to say, guess what, Nicholas? I live in the manor. That's it. That's what will make me happy. Permanence, a home, yeah, a place, yeah. somewhere they yeah. can not displaced. Yeah, not oh, I had to go here, there, and I've been around. The... No, it's like I've bought my home. I'm glad to live in the area that I grew up in. Look, that's what this is all about, right? We're talking about we're talking about a people's plan for the people, so the people can remain in the area. And and you've just spoken about that perfectly. This podcast was brought to you by Open City, the creator of London's largest architecture festival, opening up hundreds of buildings to the public each year. Go to openhouselondon.org.uk forward slash appeal to help the charity that's been hit hard by COVID-19. A big thank you to Massive Music for making our podcast track, to our editor Ed Ryman and our illustrator Claudia Alexandrino, to our podcast host Selassie Satifa, Armin Nuri, Lara Kinnear, Merlin Fulcher, and our producer, Ruby Maynard-Smith, and the Open City staff, Rhea Martin, Zoe Cave, and Sean Milliner. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.